your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, I am your host, Catherine, of this variety show, Your Positive Imprint. And before I start today's show, I have some super important updates. First, Quill Podcast Awards is recognizing the podcast you enjoy. Please support me and nominate Your Positive Imprint. Here's how. In your search engine, type in Quill Podcast Awards. Quill is... Q-U-I-L-L. Again, Quill Podcast Awards. Click on this page and it will take you to a form for nominating. There will be a button that you are able to nominate your positive imprint. And now these nominations are based on the volume of nominations. So please, please support and nominate your positive imprint. All right, so on this page, just click on that button, click here to nominate. Now you're on the form. My podcast name, Your Positive Imprint. If you love my authenticity as a host, then certainly please nominate me for your favorite host, Catherine Praisewater. You can just type Cat Praisewater if that's easier. My category is Society and Culture. The form says to put the link for the podcast, type in your positive imprint in the category and then paste the link. I will tell you how to find that link. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can just go over to Apple Podcasts on your subscription and there are three dots. Click on the three dots and you will see copy link. Just copy the link and then paste it on the form or... You can do a search engine, type in Spotify, Your Positive Imprint, and then copy and paste the link. Again, thank you so much for supporting and nominating Your Positive Imprint. I appreciate it. And my second update. I am going live with my second show. It will be May 23rd, Sunday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Join my two awesome guests, Rowdy James of New Zealand, Episode 78, and my co-host, Christopher Marciano of United States, Episode 83. Rowdy and Christopher are both advocates of mental health awareness and recovery and healing. Rowdy says when he looked in the mirror, he no longer recognized his reflection and something had to change. Christopher says that when he found himself avoiding mirrors, he knew something had to change. Join my two guests, Rowdy and Christopher, on May 23rd, Sunday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Central. And because you, my listeners, are worldwide, here are some of the times for you. Brazil, parts of South America, 5 p.m., Central Europe, 9 p.m. or 2100. Other parts of Europe, 10 p.m. And of course, Melbourne, May 24th, Monday, 6 a.m. Tokyo, May 24th, 5 a.m. And of course, Auckland, New Zealand, May 24th, 8 a.m. Again, Sunday, May 23rd, 
2 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Eastern. Check your local time for the time that we will be live on my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint. Check out my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, for the link on my homepage this week. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people from all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people are rising to the challenge. Music by the very talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music at chrisknoll.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Poonam Saxena's background is in special education where she educated autistic students and students with profound mental and physical disabilities. But while in the classroom, Poonam observed that parents were in need of resources and a better understanding of the academic needs of their child. Today, Poonam is a voice and advocate for parents. Her goal is to bridge the gap between parents and schools, and she has a podcast, EDU Me, and her coaching provides resources, insight, and a practical footprint and a positive imprint for parents to become empowered partners in their child's education. Poonam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. I am too. And, and your background is in education. That's uh, my background. And although I'm not in special education, but I have worked with so many teachers and have coached teachers. And I think that education has such moments of, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. This has been fulfilling and moments for children where they have a breakthrough in their own successes. Absolutely. That that when that light bulb goes off with a student, there is nothing more gratifying. Oh, sure, absolutely. So now you have a background in education and you are also a first generation American within your family, is that correct? I am. I am. My parents immigrated from India in the sixties and came just in time for the civil rights movement. And of course, of all places they could have chosen in the country, they landed in the South. So they were in the middle of all of the excitement. And I was born in Alabama and raised in rural Georgia. So yeah, it was an exciting, interesting and transformational time. Oh, I love that you use the word transformational <laughs> because transformational, as one of my guests said, you can't go back. So, and that's, that's one of the wonders of that word. So education and also psych, let's say psychology, I understand as well from what I've read about you. Yes. Yeah, so I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in education and it all kind of prompted from the fact of my own personal experience growing up in rural Georgia. We were the only Indians of Indian heritage from the country India, which you can imagine in the South, we've been asked what tribe we have belonged to. Um, we were the only Indians in our community for the first 12 years. 
And we learned a lot about the country that we chose to grow up in, that we were raised in, but we also learned a lot about what America is and how we can move forward. So it was an, an education that we were getting as an immigrant family, but also our friends and neighbors as well. So that grew into a passion for teaching. My father is a former professor at the University of Georgia, and my mother is a former second grade teacher. So I come from a long line of educators, but it seemed to be the fit for me that was best because when we educate people, we begin to expand our horizons, not only their horizons, but our horizons. And I want to be a learning being all the time. And the best way that I knew how to do that was to become a teacher. And I will tell you, Catherine, I fell into teaching because, you know, when you grow up in a family of educators, you, that's the last thing you want to be. <laughs> and yet that's exactly where you need to be. My first job out of college was actually a class of self-contained children with autism. And it was, it was an eye-opening experience to see how the bureaucracy of education plays into the lives of these individuals who really don't fit the mold of the mandates that are coming down from the federal and local governments. I did that for, gosh, almost 10 years until I had my oldest child and decided I wanted to take a year off to spend time with her and kind of see if I really wanted to go back to teaching. And 10 years in teaching really taught me that I really don't like bureaucracy. I understand that we need a system but I don't know that we need a system that's so uh, narrow because people are not able to fit in a box. We can't say that on January 1st, every child is supposed to know what two plus two is because guess what? Developmentally, that doesn't happen. And we're throwing in children with learning challenges and expecting that same expectation and that's unrealistic. So I learned that in that year off that I spent with my daughter and I decided that I really didn't want to go back to that. I needed a break and lo and behold within the next three and a half years I had three more children <laughs> and for all those math wizards out there that are thinking that's not mathematically possible there are a set of twins in there. My last two were twins. So that kind of <laughs> solved the whole mathematical mystery. When my oldest started to go to elementary school, I decided to start volunteering in her classroom. And obviously it was limited because I had three at home. Gradually, I started to find my space in the schools that was not bureaucratic. I was able to provide the resources that the teachers needed so that they felt that they had a support person without actually being tethered to the bureaucracy of the school. So I learned that I was becoming a partner with my children's teachers. And part of being a partner 
in your child's education or with your teacher is to build a relationship. Just like you build every other relationship on the planet, you start with trust and you have to build that trust. And from that trust comes a relationship. So I built that relationship and that trust with each of my children's teachers. I had carved a niche out, out for myself. And I wanted to bring that opportunity to other parents. Because as strange as it sounds to many of us, I was even involved in their high schools at a very high level. That doesn't happen for most high school parents because that's a standoffish period in their lives where everyone's kind of starting to assert their own independence. But I argue that that's when parents need to be involved because the exposure is so high to things that that children are going to be exposed to in the real world. And that's when they need some support, not in your face support, but just generic support and keeping an eye out on your child. So EDUME really was born from what I had been doing for so many years with my, my children. And I often would tell my children that I wasn't doing it necessarily for them, that I was doing it for that child whose parents never walked through the door and was unable to support them. Because those are the children that need our support. Yes, and there are so many that fall into that category. And there are others that certainly their parents are very active. So I want to ask you, when you are building a relationship with a teacher, did you find it difficult each year when you're starting brand new to start building? And then once you have that relationship, then the school year ends and you have to start all over again. So talk a little bit about how you did that and how you were able to get things working because, you know, building a relationship can take weeks, if not months, and you don't have that luxury and neither does a teacher because a teacher has students for just that one year, not even a year. It's interesting. I will tell you a funny story. And, and this is how the education, the parent part of my education career started. When my oldest started kindergarten, I walked into her kindergarten class and of course they had little, you know, knickknacks for the kids to get engaged in and, and get to know each other. I was watching my daughter and the kindergarten teacher walks over to me and she's just get, trying to get to know me as she was doing to many of the other parents. And so I said, I just want you to know that my daughter can read. And I am certain that the kindergarten teacher, she, she was very restrained, but I'm sure in her mind, she was rolling her eyes saying, of course, doesn't every parent say that <laughs> about their incoming kindergartner? But this kindergarten teacher did something amazing. She would call every single parent in her child's class two weeks after kindergarten started to let them know how their child was adjusting. And the first thing she said to me was, your daughter can read. And I said, well, I'm an educator and I kind of know when my child can read. 
and I wasn't being flippant about it, but that that broke the ice because I did not tell her that to gloat, but to let her know where she could start with my child. After those two weeks, the academic part became easy because the teacher was able to adapt. But what that did was it set precedent for the other teachers that my daughter had because they would see that I was there, that I was involved, that I was not one of those parents who just was blowing smoke. I was going to tell them like it was. And that started with that kindergarten teacher. And by being honest with her and sharing with her the challenges that I was having as a parent. And when she, my oldest started kindergarten, I had, I had two one and a half year olds and a three and a half year old. So they were all in strollers as I was rolling through the school. And the other teachers would just stop and talk to the kids. And that's how I got to know them. So that was elementary school. Middle school and high school is a little different. We can agree on that, that there's a little more hands off. There's a little more independence. Certainly, certainly. And I never let that stop me. I, I'm an advocate for you and your school. What can I do to help you? And that's how I approached it. So I, it's always been that way. But I will say that when you start to build that relationship, what happens is that the teachers and administrators see you as an ally. So if I had a concern or something had happened to one of my children, it was very easy for me to make an appointment with the teacher or the principal and say, we need to chat. And I would never go in assuming that my child was right. I would always say, what behavior did my child exhibit that you feel this happened? And that's how we would approach it. The other thing that I did was I always took those challenges to them with a solution. Now that is, that is ideal. That is, that is definitely something that is admirable. Well, I feel like if you're going to um, challenge someone's opinion, then you should at least have taken the time to say, how can we problem solve this, this, not only for my child, but all children. And so that's, I did that through middle school, I did that through high school. And in fact, I am looking to publish a book here soon. And I had the principal of my children's high school write the coda. He wrote the afterword for it. After forward, whatever it's called. <laughs> and so he is, he wrote it and he sent me a, a very preliminary version. And I thought, oh my gosh, you have read my mind. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And it was to ensure that every child had the opportunity to succeed. I think one of the fears that some parents have is that they'll be looked at, and I'll tell you why, that they'll be looked at as, instead of an ally, that they might be looked at as intrusive. And the reason I say that is because when I was a teacher in the classroom, I still am an educator, 
but I'm not in the mainstream classroom right now. But when I was in the classroom, I loved parents like you, and I invited the parents to come in and be in in the classroom where their child was so they could observe, so they could learn what I am doing, so they could see what strategies I'm using so they could go home and use the same strategies to help their child academically. That's how I approached when they wanted to come into the classroom. Other teachers saw it as, oh my gosh, they're in there to see what I'm doing and to spy on me and to spy on the other kids and to make trouble. And I would really like to see that as a to see that separated from the minds of teachers. And I know there's parents that don't always have the school at their best intentions and that they have an agenda, which is their child, which is certainly understandable. So how do you tell a parent right now that what, what they could say, what they could do to put teachers' minds at ease so that that gap is being bridged and the relationship is strengthening. I would say, and I think you would agree with me, that teachers really can use the help and the support. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Oh, my goodness, yes. They they need help. And they're certainly not able to get it from the districts and the, the governments because that's just not the way our education system is set up. And we just don't uh, have the financial means in that system. But here's what you can do. First of all, you have to, as a parent, realize that your child will benefit if you come at it, if you approach helping teachers in schools from an authentic place. I've always been an advocate for every student because when those students succeed, so does my child and vice versa. So we start to raise the level of education. The difficulty that many parents that I have worked with have is that they're coming in with the mindset of my kid needs this, this, and this. And I am, in essence, demanding that my child have these privileges. So what kind of system are we setting up? We're setting up a a system where the, the children are not earning their place. And then we're sending them out into the world where that's not how the world works. You earn your spot from your hard work, your ethics, your social socio-emotional intelligence and your social skills. So when we're not modeling that for our, our children in schools by and I use the word demand and that's a harsh word. But parents but do I, that. They do. My ch- my child needs this. My child got a, a C on the spelling test and it's going to you know, lower their GPA. Okay, guess what? That's okay. If we never teach our children to fail, then they never know how to learn and get better. And so to the parents out there, I would say, what is your purpose of volunteering and helping? Because if it's coming from a place 
where you're not helping every single student, then I would ask you to reconsider. Because I would argue with what you were saying earlier, Catherine, that teachers don't want intrusive parents who have a single goal in mind. Teachers want parents who have a global interest in every student. And the other thing that I would say, and this is this is something that I, I have said so many times to so many people, if you do not want your child to be spoken ill of by other parents, then you should not do the same. So many times we go and talk to teachers about, well, you know, little Johnny said this to my child or pulled, you know, her pigtail or, you know, complaining where we really need to be teaching our children how to manage that and let the child go to the teacher and say, you know, Johnny did this to me. Would you mind keeping an eye out? And I think that's how we not only build the opportunities for our children to mature, but also for our relationship with our teachers to mature as well. Because the whole goal of education is to create productive citizens. And if we can't do that, then we just need to blow up the whole education system and do nothing. (laughs) And that's kind of harsh, but... You know, isn't that the entire purpose to equip them with the, the, not only the knowledge, but the social skills and the team building skills that they need. And that's what parents need to be partnering with their teachers and is creating that continuity. And I think you would see more teachers say, please come into my classroom. Yes, and and I think that you're giving some actual verbiage for parents to use when they want to go in and become active. But it also gives validity to reasons why a parent should become active and why a school should allow a parent to be active. But, you know, teachers with building a relationship and good strategic role modeling, they can uh, power down parents so that a relationship can come of it. You said it well. Our job is to educate and to make citizens productive within our society, within our community. It's a never-ending platform of agendas and disagreements So one thing before you move on, Catherine, I wanted to share is because I'm painting this very rosy picture of parent involvement in schools, and I don't want any of your audience members to think that we, my husband and I, do not have challenges raising our children. Our children are by no means perfect. We had challenges in schools. They are kids. We used it as a teaching moment to The schools, we always presented a united front and we protected our child, but in our own homes, we absolutely used those experiences as as teaching lessons. And throughout their educational careers, I would like to put out there that there were three teachers that we did not 
agree with at all. It wasn't because, let me put it another way. We did not feel that they had our children's best interests at heart. Now, I'm not saying that there were not others, but the these three teachers were blatant in their uh, methodologies towards our children. So the, those three teachers, I did go to the principal and say, please see the email chain. I don't think this is healthy for my child. I would always present it back. What are my options? What can we do? So I, w I want you to know that parenting is not a rosy job all the time and everyone <laughs> knows that, but there are ways to approach it. And so from that day forward, my other three children or my other children did not have that teacher. But three out of, you know, 60, 70 teachers that we had over that course of our educational career, I don't believe is unreasonable. Because the teachers that we did not agree with other than those three, that's part of working in a work environment. You're going to be on a team where someone's not pulling their weight or the team leader is not as strong as they need to be. That's all part of how you cope. Your job is still to get your homework done, learn the material and get a good grade. So as, as rosy as I painted this picture of parent volunteering, that it does come with the fact that I spent time getting to know their teachers. And when I did bring a real life issue that was insurmountable in my opinion, then I was taken seriously. It wasn't just me complaining. I had valid reasons, but I always asked, what are the options? And again, that's a great way for parents to approach with so that ice is broken and you can sit down and collaborate on the needs of your child. Thank you so and much for sharing that. Yes. And tone is everything. Yes. Tone is everything. Yes. And Yes. <laughs> so now that you were observing the needs of your children, the needs of parenting and involvement, and the need for strengthening that relationship between parents and schools, you started EDU Me. And that has a load of resources for parents. So talk a little bit about EDU Me and the positive imprints that you're bringing to the educational sector. So I alluded to it earlier, EDUME really is a branch of what I've been doing for the last 25 years. It's trying to help parents understand that the bureaucracy of education is just that. And there are ways that we can make it more amenable for our children and our teachers. And one is to provide support. One is to understand it in a way that takes a little bit of burden off of our children. Our children are faced with such a burden of testing and grades and promotion retention it's a big topic of conversation for these children. 
when they're taking these high stakes state mandated tests, oh, if I don't pass this test, then I, I could not go on to the next grade. I could be retained. Okay, I didn't know what the word retained was until I got a retainer from my braces. <laughs> you know, I mean, so their their depth of understanding and their depth of anxiety is really, really high. Yes, it is. And EDUME is really wanting to break that barrier down for parents because part of the reason, and we talked about some of the reasons parents don't become involved, but another reason they don't become involved is because they don't understand it. It's so complicated. There's nothing simple about the education system. And I would argue almost every bureaucratic system out there, it's just so complex. But when we can break down some of those things that parents are constantly struggling with, especially those with special needs and they have IEPs and 504s and you're sitting in a room full of professionals and those professionals are telling you what your child's goal should be, I'm going to say no. They can guide you, but you as the parent know what you want your child to attain. So we have to start breaking those barriers down. And when we break that barrier down and we become a liaison, not only for the teachers, but for our children, then we really start to bring together the, the, the vast differences in communication about education. And I would say there's a, a vast communication disparity as well as a knowledge disparity. That, yes. And part of your bridging is to provide resources to help them understand. I know that you have a monthly forum or webinar or theme. And I think that this is a good time for you to introduce those themes so that listeners know what you have to offer at EDU Me. This year, thanks to COVID and lots of opportunity to think and expand, I am launching a monthly webinar. So each month we're, we are tackling a different topic relevant to parenting. The podcast, the blogs, and the webinar will all work around that topic or center around that topic. We talk about time management. We can all be better time managers. Let's create a sustainable model for ourselves. We're going to be talking about finding balance. We often have a challenge finding balance in our day. And I don't mean schedule-wise. I mean reflective-wise, taking care of ourselves-wise, stepping back and knowing what our boundaries are. We're actually going to be talking about how to manage how to build relationships with someone who is not necessarily your ally. And I'm going to, I'm saying that in a long roundabout way of saying, how do we handle bullying? We're going to be talking about stress and end of the year exams because no one has stress at the end of the year. <laughs> so, you know, it's really about trying to make parenting more manageable and realizing that when we are partnering with our schools, it all becomes manageable because we're all on the same page. 
Yes, well, I so much enjoy this because, of course, it, it brings back some of the things that I have advocated and put together as well. And I thank you for sharing all of this. And we like to end with the last inspiring words of Poonam. Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you for this opportunity. But also, Catherine was on my podcast at the end of January. So please do check out all of her wisdom on parenting and literacy and how we can move the ball forward. She's an amazing, amazing guest. So I'm grateful for you for for honoring me by coming on. Oh, thank you. And you are welcome. (laughs) But thank you for that. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So my... My, my words of wisdom are this, be mindful of what your purpose is, what you want to do, and how you want to get there. And the very last thing is remember your children are modeling what you're putting out. So those three earlier points are even more important because someone is learning from you. And I I think we can all agree that we all want to do well for our children. Absolutely. Poonam Saksik, thank you so much for your true authentic self and for expanding your horizons and those horizons of parents. And of course, thank you so much for your efforts and your ongoing work in bridging the gap between parents and schools. And I know that the parents and teachers are so appreciative with the resources that you are providing and the opportunities that you're providing for them to understand, as you say, this this system of bureaucratic education so much better. Poonam, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Catherine. Poonam's book is now available on Amazon or your nearby bookstore, Parent Power, Navigate School and Beyond. And I will see you live on my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint, for my live show on Sunday, May 23rd at 2 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Eastern, with my two guests, Rowdy James of New Zealand and my co-host, Christopher Marciano. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?